And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It's Friday, March 5th. Derek Van Riper, Bricciarola, Eno Saris here with you on this Friday. We have a lot to talk about. We have Jackie Bradley Jr. joining the Brewers. We'll talk about the implications of that signing. Jake Odorizzi still needs a team. We'll try and find a fit for him. We'll talk about some things we're hoping to see this spring, now that the spring games are completely up and running. We'll talk about Aaron Boone and his recovery from surgery to receive a pacemaker. He's 47. What's A pacemaker at 47? That's, that's terrifying for me as someone who's in my, my late 30s now. Uh, we also got a question about the Nats bullpen and one of many ideas that we received from our great listeners of how to save baseball. And I think how we could save baseball this week is actually a pretty clever solution because it doesn't cost the owners any money. So it might actually work. Uh, let's get going right away, guys. Let's start with this Jackie Bradley Jr. story. I'm glad you all wanted to talk about it. It wasn't just me saying, let's talk yeah, about the Brewers. Brewers. The Brewers the most interesting <laughs> thing in the world. Like. I'm just starting to wonder if the defensive upgrades with both Colton Wong and now Jackie Bradley Jr. are really getting us to a point where some of the Brewers pitchers might be underrated. The impact that the defense has on that staff as a whole is significant, and those were massive upgrades with both of those players. With Bradley, they have someone who can spell Lorenzo Cain in center field. He'll also play a ton of right field and kind of make Avisail Garcia more of a... It's not a fourth outfielder. It's kind of like 3A and 3B, right? It's like Yelich is going to play a lot, and the other three guys are going to share two spots. And it kind of works because all three of those guys are good defenders. And now, if Kane gets hurt, they don't have to play Avi Garcia in center field anymore, which seems like a really good thing because while he seemed to put forth a, a great effort at, at that position last year, that's not the optimal usage of his skills. So am I right to be very high on the Brewers' defense, especially as they continue to make moves with Bradley being the latest addition? What do you think about this, Britt? I think you are right. Um, I think the Colton Wong signing kind of went a little under the radar. And we've talked on this podcast about all these teams that are loading up offensively and teams like the, the Mets, the, you know, the Nationals, teams that are just getting kind of worse and have those question marks defensively. So I like what the Brewers are doing here. I think this is the way the Brewers have to do it. And honestly, what's kind of interesting is they've set themselves up because they didn't make this big splash. They can make a move at the deadline. Uh, you know, Ryan Braun can come out of his like semi-retirement and decide to play for a couple months. They can add an addition. We know they're always good with expanded rosters that unless they actually change those rules, uh, the Brewers seem to rule the final month of the season. So I, I thought the move was great. I think it's a great fit. And honestly, it's really the end of an era in Boston, right? The three Bs are all gone. Ben Attendee, Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, I'm going to Red Sox camp tomorrow, guys. And I'm like, who? is on the team. Who can I talk to? Um, because it's just uh, really, truly the end of an era, it feels like, in Boston. 
Yeah, you know, what's fun about the Brewers, too, is that I feel like there's an underrated, you know, by the market uh, acquisition here in all three cases with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, Colton Wong, and Brett Anderson. The market does not like uh, defense. It's not like paying for defense. And the market does not like paying for bad strikeout rates and ground ball rates. Um, and yet, if you go and you get these guys in tandem... Uh, you know, maybe it can work out. It also is not going to cost you very much. I mean, the the whole the the, the group is costing them like, you know, twenty five million dollars for three players. That's not uh, if if all three of those guys end up close to league average, uh, they should be uh, worth a lot more. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it's a really cool way to uh, construct a team. Um, and uh, you know, just generally thinking about how good this team can be, you know. Uh, usually they cobble together a starting staff. Well, now it looks like they maybe have two aces or, or two like really good starting pitchers at the front. They'll cobble together the back end of the staff. Um, you know, usually uh, they they have mix and match uh, at, at a lot of positions. I would say that they do this year at third base. Fair. And yeah. that's about the only position yeah. I think that they're kind of just trying to figure out. And they got Travis Shaw and Luis Urias and... You know, I think they're hoping one of those guys works out, you know, but maybe they'll mix and match. So, you know, way, the way the things that we that we held against the Brewers in the past, I think, are not as bad as they were in the past. I think there's two legitimate stars in front of that rotation. I think most of the positions have a guy. And then the bullpen, uh, which is always a strength, is is more of a is it's actually more of a strength than even the depth charts will show at Fangraphs. The depth charts at Fangraphs say they're like a top five bullpen. Great. That that sounds great. But what when you look at how bullpens are used, they use the best relievers in games you're gonna win. So like they what are the brewers in hater games? It's like ninety five and five or something. Yeah. It's yeah. it's off the charts good. It's yeah. some crazy stat where like if they use hater, they win ninety five percent of their games. <laughs> so uh what you should really look at, I think, in terms of bullpen strength is almost just the strength of the top four guys. In which case, the Brewers become uh, third in baseball. And if you really want to think about it, it might be just the strength of the top two guys. And if the top two guys, if you look at the top two guys, nobody in baseball has a better top two at, uh, in, their, in their bullpen in terms of projections. The, the top yeah. two are projected for, uh, I think, 3.1, 3.2 wins. Nobody in baseball, the, the, the Yankees have about the same with uh, Chapman and Britton. And that's it. Those yeah. are the two best bullpens if you just look at the, the, the top two guys. And I think that's meaningful. They're going to win the games that they can win. So I think the interesting thing with the Brewers, too, is that, you know, compared to the Yankees, who paid top dollar to get Aroldis Chapman and paid top dollar to get Zach Britton, you know, Hayter's a guy they traded for, but he's still he's still a guy they helped to develop. Devin Williams, they developed him entirely. They found Justin Topa, who's going to be kind of a key piece for them, as a flat ground app guy. They've got Freddie Peralta, who they acquired in a trade as a rookie ball pitcher, developed him. He might even be a starter. Freddie Peralta could be the third best starter on this team. That wouldn't even be that much of a surprise if if the slider is as good as it was at the end of last season. If he's throwing that consistently, that unlocks a lot of possibilities for him. Drew Rasmussen is a guy that can get into the 98-99 range. You know, He's a guy that came through their system with not a lot of prospect fanfare because there were doubts about his ability to stick as a starter, but he looks like a possible lights-out reliever. So... You know, it is strength up top, but it's more depth than they've had in that bullpen in a few years. And I think the back of the rotation is definitely the question mark. 
third base, you can get by with one spot where you're rotating guys. I think the other concern I have with this team, they resemble the 2020 Rays in terms of their biggest flaw offensively. They struck out too much last year. And that's been kind of part of who they've been as an offense for the better part of the last four or five years now. And I'm not sure they've completely remedied that. I mean, I think if you... You have a guy who's a free swinger at first base last year, like Justin Smoke got a lot of time there. You move Keston Hira there, and you put Wong in at second base. You brought the K rate down a little bit because Wong doesn't strike out a ton. Hira could K less. Hira could bring the number down. Yelly should K less. Luis Urias in the minors didn't strike out that much, so if he's playing more, maybe he brings it down. That To me, that's still the problem. Like That's the trouble spot. They could be a feast or famine sort of offense if they don't get a few of those things to happen on the development side. Yeah. Well, the Rays got pretty far, though. I mean, I think you would take the 2020 Rays, wouldn't you, more often than not? Also, those of you watching on YouTube, Derek is absolutely glowing right now. We have given eight minutes of unfiltered Brewers talk, which might be probably a record on this show. And Derek looks absolutely vibrant right now. He got so Freddy energized Peralta by this Brewers baseball talk. I mentioned Freddie Peralta unprompted. I put on a really nice collared shirt. The sun is hitting my eyes in just the right way, so the blue yeah. is really coming through. Like it's all it's all happening over here for me right now. Like I'm as happy as I could be. I you know, Justin Topo, that, that one that was a fun little reference. I, I, I don't think I've seen a guy throw from that arm slot that hard. I, I want, I want, I would love to hear from people in the inbox or on Twitter because he throws like sidearm, but he sits like 95, 96. Like when I think of sidearmers, I think of 89, 90, you know? So yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear, I guess, you know, I guess Sale and Randy Johnson. Yeah. Pretty close lower, to sidearm. Lower slot guys that throw yeah. really hard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they're so tall, though, you wonder if that factored in, right? If they're mm. like, I don't know, if they were able to, from here, get, I don't know, still get that same velocity, same kind of movement. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Is that the next reliever? Side armor's throwing, like, mid-90s? Because that seems crazy. I don't even know. It, it doesn't look right. Like, I was watching it. He's also righty, so, it, you know, it's maybe it's just more common from the left. I don't know. But it, it I'm really surprised. When I watch him, I'm like, I'm like okay, what? 95? 96? What? You know, it's a good sign when your depth relievers are being featured in pitching ninja tweets. Like Aaron Ashby's <laughs> been featured multiple times. Like, do you understand how happy that makes me when, when Aaron Ashby's like out there getting swords from pitching ninja? Like, that's that's so great. Rasmus and popped on my on my. Uh, he he made it into my top uh, two hundred starters, and uh, let me see what I got here. Ah. I had it somewhere. Uh, he had a good Beta stuff fail. number. I d- don't. I'm so mad. I lost my pitching ranks, and I had to <laughs> actually copy and paste my own pitching ranks off of the athletic because of a computer mishap. And it's just so amateur. Like I just, I feel so dumb. So anyway, Drew Rasmussen's stuff number disappeared. Yeah. It's somewhere. <laughs> well maybe we'll find it again if not you know some someday we have that to look forward to on a future episode but uh i think the other question i have for you guys i know pakota had the brewers atop the nl central that was before they added bradley i'd assume that margin probably jumped up by a win maybe a win and a half possibly two but the nl central took a lot of heat this winter some from us 
but a lot from everybody for not spending money. Those were five franchises that didn't spend. The Brewers have spent a little. I mean, the Reds were trying to shed payroll via trade. The Cubs were doing the same thing. Uh, the Cardinals, of course, acquired Nolan Arenado and got the Rockies to pay for him. So cool, like good job. Like they're, but they're trying. <laughs> I still see this as a pretty clear four-team race, though. Like even though the Reds might not have quite the same momentum behind them as opening day gets closer that they would have had this time last year. I think this is a legitimate four-team race. Yeah, the Pirates, obviously, not in it right now. But do you think this is going to be a very competitive division, even if we don't see a 95-win team emerging from this group? Yeah, that's fair, because I think they're not a bunch of 95-win teams. They're a bunch of, like, 85-win teams, at best, that are going to duke it out. So hasn't the NL Central had the lowest win total for a while in terms of the division champion, right? It seems like they do pretty consistently. They don't have the 100-game winner. They don't have, like, the best team in the NL. It, it At least, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure someone who's listening will. Uh, but it seems like that's always been the case, right? They've always kind of beat up on each other. And, like, 84 wins is the, is the team that gets into the postseason. And everyone complains about it. But that is the NL Central. Yeah, the only team I can even think of that was kind of maybe an exception would be like the Pete Cubs teams from like four or five years ago because they were built they were built more like a Dodgers or a good Nats team, right? Where you you had strength all over the place and a clear advantage over the other teams in the division. I just think a lot of times the top three teams in the NL Central are all so close together that they kind of beat up on each other a little bit, and then a lot of those teams don't spend quite like teams on the coast do. So. Uh, the high-end talent is a little bit lacking in some instances as well. Let's also not forget the good Cardinals teams. Uh, those teams that went yeah. to the World Series, um, there were some 100-win teams in there. Um, but That was a while back, though, no? I mean, I'm talking about the last l- recent history, the last couple of years. I mean, like, just as, for example, last year, if you're talking about strength of schedule, you know, one of the things that was that went against Bauer was that uh, he faced people with the lowest OPS among the Cy Young uh, candidates. Uh, his strength of schedule was the easiest among the Cy Young candidates. And we saw that a little bit in terms of um, just pitchers in general. Uh, the Central was a great place to pitch last year. So... Um, I think that speaks a little bit to just the quality of the lineups, at least. Some people want to flip that and be like, well, the pitching was really great. I think I think it was more the lineups. I mean, uh, take, take a gander at uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas City and uh, check out some of those OVPs. Yeah, the Tigers uh, last the Tigers year. They, last they were year. a very soft landing spot for the pitchers of the two central divisions. Uh, I want to talk about Jake Odorizzi for a, a bit because... Uh, you know, we spoke about the Framber Valdez injury a little bit on the Wednesday episode. We still don't have an official word. There was a report, I believe it was Thursday morning, from John Heyman suggesting that the first doctor who looked at Valdez recommended a season-ending surgery. He's getting a second opinion, so his season is not over yet, but that's at least in the range of outcomes right now. And you know, we talked about Luis Garcia, Forrest Whitley, some of the young options they could turn to. The Astros were previously linked to Bradley, though. They have a hole in center field. They didn't spend the money on Bradley. Now they have a potential hole where they need some innings in their rotation. Am I wrong to think that Jake Odorizzi to Houston actually makes a lot of sense? It seems like they have money to some extra money to spend. You know, I, I, when I was looking at their finances, it looked like um, you know they could have fit somebody like JT or Real Muto, and they haven't really spent that kind of level of cash. So I, I thought they had some money to spend. 
Um, you know, def- every owner is reacting differently to last year. So we'll, we'll see if that's just if they're just uh, pleading poverty and, and not wanting to, to spend that way. Or uh, if they think that they're internal candidates, you know, we, Forrest Whitley, uh, if he gets the command going, he definitely has the stuff. And then we liked I like Luis Garcia. I, I, I put him in my top 100, um, you know, in today's update. But um, Luis Garcia is not in camp. I don't I don't know why um you know we could we're always like doing this dance it's like is it covid is it uh but it could be a visa i don't know uh but uh if that gets resolved quickly i think between garcia and whitley they'll probably uh just uh figure it out are you guys surprised that a fractured finger which is what he has right is going to be a season-ending surgery i was really surprised this isn't, this isn't a 60 game season um i was talking about this yesterday with someone how is that a season ending surgery must be ligament. You know, the fracture Maybe. itself, like I fractured my thumb and uh, like GT, JT Romuto has a fractured thumb, uh, kind of like the one that I fractured playing ba- basketball. And you're, that's a sort of three to eight, you know, because you're, you're depending, depending on if it's displaced or whatever, like you're just waiting for the bone to heal. And bones actually heal, from my understanding, bones heal better than ligaments. And uh, so either has a strain or maybe something worse. So uh, I think he really shouldn't have pitched anymore after he got hit yeah you're right that's probably what did it too i guess what also is we don't really hear too much from pitchers right infielders trey turner played with broken fingers like you can't pitch with your finger not right it's going to affect every pitch so maybe that factors in right like if he was a shortstop would it end his season probably not right uh i just was a little surprised by the timeline i guess i I I definitely was too i was like oh fractured finger like he'll be back in april you know yeah, I thought four yeah. to six weeks was, you know, I, I was going to ding him maybe three to four starts, drop him 15 or 20 spots among pitchers and say, hey, look, he's still, he's fine. Like, you can get by for a few weeks without him. And then that report dropped and yikes. I just took know. him out of the rankings because yeah. I was just like, I don't even, I don't, I don't know, you know, like, yeah. where am I supposed to put this guy? Yeah. Um, I mean, getting back to Odorizzi, though, what sucks for him, I think, is he signs with the team. He's still got a quarantine for what, five days, something like that. So he's going to be behind no matter what. He's behind no matter what. And teams are counting on him lowering his price. Meanwhile, what he really needs is an injury or two to drive up the price, right? So it's just a weird spot to be in, I think. Uh, For a guy who was a good, considered like the top end of that second tier of pitchers, right? So it's it's really weird. Um, You know, I hope he signs somewhere soon. Uh, He's a guy who I think could fit with the Nationals. He really worked really well with Jim Hickey when he was a Ray. Um, I think the Nationals, especially with the news about John Lester, not too certain what you're going to get there. I think every What is the news about John Lester? He had He's having an operation on his thyroid. Oh, that's right. He was really, really tired. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think every team could use – no team says, you know, we don't need Jake Odorizzi, right? Like, I think as good as he is, he slots into pretty much every rotation as, as an upgrade somewhere. Uh, whether that's the front end, the back end, depends on the team's starting staff. But I was just thinking about the fact that he could sign today and he's still probably a week away from even being at camp. Yeah, and I know he's throwing in Florida at an academy. So, you know, he's not going to be the kind of guy that if he signs, we have to wait four weeks for him to get totally stretched out. It's not like, I think there was always this this misconception years ago that uh, pitchers are just sitting at home on their couches and don't know what to do without the coaches telling them what to throw or when to throw. And it's like, 
No, it's not like that. You could sign in mid-March, go through the quarantine, come out, throw like 75 pitches in a spring game a few days after that and be ready to go for opening day. Maybe. I mean, game 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 speed is a little bit different than coach like, you know, coach, you know, uh we, we, we talked about this a little bit with uh, the quarantine. Like even people were saying that game speed last year wasn't necessarily 100% game speed uh, with, with COVID last year. So without the fans. So there is, a, you know, I think Sean Doolittle told me once, uh, I always have like two or three ticks left in me between spring and regular season because in spring, I'm just out there slapping ass and waving at people. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Sean Doolittle thing to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the older you get, the less uh, bullets you try to fire at spring training. No one hates spring training as much as like Ryan Zimmerman, for example. <laughs> the guy's, you know, the guy just doesn't want to waste any energy or any like, you know, doesn't you really don't want to waste your bullets in spring training. If you're trying to make the team, okay, you can act like it's game seven. But I think the older you get, the more guys are like, Max Scherzer is like the, the obviously like the outlier here. Uh, he shows up and it's it is the World Series wants seventy to, you know to, seventy game wants seventy to pitch grind your bones sessions. into dust <laughs> yeah like so I think he's the exception but I think most guys as they get older they're like you know what this is two hundred games here this yeah. is absolutely like not I'm not blowing it out here in this first spring game to light up the radar gun at Joker March and Stadium you know it's just not happening <laughs> I you know I, I I hate to write you know there's there's I've written this before and other people have written it a million times the whole like let's shorten spring training thing but I had a I had an interesting maybe angle on it maybe I'll write it but uh if you think about it like okay from the owner's angle the reason why we're not going to cut spring training even though the beat writers would rather not have to be ho- away from home for six weeks straight um the you know the players are not getting paid you know they they get just getting a stipend they don't love spring training uh you know uh even fans like <laughs> it's nice that fans are showing up now but i think like on an average spring training game if your team is not that great it's, there's not that many fans there either so but it, it adds up and the owners get gate receipts for for very for for a lot and they're not paying as much they're paying their their coaching staff but they're not paying their players and so it has to be seen as a win for owners however Stephen a smith however uh trying to get I your own eight mil aren't you yeah he is <laughs> yeah, that was really bad um <laughs> what happened to the rundown i thought we were talking about lebron all day <laughs> that's right <laughs> trying to get that money dude trying to get that eight um, mil a year shout out yeah, to exactly. skip i guess good for you if you can play a never, villain on tv I'm and get eight million a year skip bayless no no I don't it, care. it's not a real <laughs> shout out I it's would, uh Steeped in rage, but uh, jealousy. Eight million dollars a year, man. Here's my point, though. Here's my point. (laughs) You lose a lot with injuries. You're gonna do a six-week semi-game situation, and you're gonna lose a lot of money with injuries. How much? This is what I'm actually asking around to find, and I can't find it on Google. The Google machine's not helping me. How much money are they making, the owners, in spring? Right. It can't be lots. It's a little bit, and that's why they like it, but it can't be like lots and lots. Now, take that money and subtract the injury losses you've got. If 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 JTL Muto loses a month, put that salary on there. If Framber Valdez loses the whole month, put that production on there. So you're losing you're losing with injuries. I mean, maybe you could make the financial case where ownership is like, oh, okay, yeah, four weeks is okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I think you should write that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think four weeks is a good, good, like, like medium, I guess. Here's the other thing this year, guys. Most teams aren't broadcasting a lot of their games because of budget cuts. So they're also not making the TV money. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what the point is. They're making some gate. Let's be honest. These are small stadiums. They're not, right. most teams are not broadcasting all the games, like a handful, like Orioles, Nationals, Mass, and I don't know if they're doing any. Uh, so teams, so you're not building excitement. People aren't like tuning in at home up north, like dreaming of opening day. I was trying to watch, man. I, I thought like half the games yesterday were not televised. I was no, looking through MLB it, TV and I was like, what? It's yeah, all radio. Exactly. So to me, like what that, that to me would seem like the money source, right? Everything is driven by TV, except clearly not because it's the first hacks they make to spring training. Don't want to send people down there. Don't, you know, um, so are they making a lot of money? I don't think so. Fair question to ask because it, it doesn't align with how players need to prepare for the season. So if players hate it, if owners aren't really making that much money, why are we doing this this way? Right. I mean, there's a massive amount of risk there. I, I'm, I'm going to try and find out how much they're making because it, I don't think it makes sense. If you talk to hitters, they say, I need two, two to three weeks, right? It's like a rehab. If they've been gone for injury for a long time, when they come back, sometimes, sometimes they're even only in the minors for like a week, you know, trying to get their timing yeah. back. And I think pitchers, yes, they do need to stretch out. However, you know, they're doing a lot of work uh, in these independent labs with these, you know, with the, with their own pitching coaches, you know, in their own facilities. Uh, if you ask them to show up ready to pitch two innings instead of one in a game, you could cut two weeks. You could cut, you could cut that yeah. first time through. So, I, I, you know. I like that, you know, for a month, four weeks, like March is spring training, then we start the season. That's sort of what it is this year, though, huh? Well, yeah, it started late. Pitchers yeah. were, I guess it's because they were arguing. Yeah, they've kind of condensed it down. Oh, they were arguing. They're always arguing. <laughs> yeah, they're const <laughs> constantly arguing. But spring training started back when being a baseball player wasn't a full-time job. So, you know, coming in and running and stretching and doing those things was the uh, the actual start of the season for players. It was the end of working in a factory season and the beginning of being a baseball player season. Right. It's obviously not like that anymore. So it's like maybe yeah. maybe adapt this to kind of fit the game that has changed quite a bit over the last you know, 150 years. Did you hear uh, uh, Chris Bryant on ESPN talking about standing in cleats? No, no. I, but I mean, I'm not making that up. Like it's real. Right. What do you say? Well, after we talked about it, Chris Bryant said that he'll stand in his driveway in cleats, you know, for a couple of days at a time in preparation for the season, just to just to be standing in cleats. You heard See, it here first. If I had just done that as a kid, like <laughs> yeah, it's a real I would thing. have been less sore all the time when sports season started. Like that's, yeah. that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. 
The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. After uh, just ripping on spring training for being outdated by 100 years, I, I do want to ask you, what are you hoping to see this spring? It could be a player, it could be a team, it could be anything. I mean, there's, there's there are so many fun storylines in baseball this time of year. Shohei Otani just murdered a ball over the batter's eye on Wednesday, and I want to see how he pitches. He's pitching Friday afternoon, so by the time people listen to this show, there's a good chance he will have already made that spring pitching debut. I want to see what he looks like as a pitcher because it was hard to watch him in the two starts that he made last season. There was just no command whatsoever. And if we can get the debut Otani back, the 2018 Otani, I think that is now, if we get that guy back, he's one of the must-see players in the game. And I mean, I'm rooting for it. It's chaos for us in the fantasy world, but a two-way player that plays that well on both sides is so rare. We may never see a player like Shohei Otani again. So I want him to get back to what we saw just three years ago. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. The impression I get um, from sourcing and uh, just sort of looking at him is that he kind of was just a guy who crushed uh, the weights. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the people understood that he, like, you know, he was kind of just an athlete that just crushed weights and was like just a behemoth that ran real fast. His sprint speeds were amazing, could throw real fast. I don't think it was um, as refined as it could have been, you know? And now he spent the off season. There's some fabulous reporting by Fabian about how he went to drive line, but he also went to a bunch of facilities in Japan, tried to refine his hitting uh, mechanics and his pitching mechanics. And I'd love to see if that improves his command. Uh, if the, the, the shape on his pitches have changed, and he also fits into the category of what I'm looking for, which is I want to see these young players that, w- that didn't have a minor league season. I want to see all these uh, prospects. I want to see the, the youngest players. I want to see the debuts. I want to see people we haven't seen, um, you know, play any ball that we don't even have futures game, uh, you know, B-roll of, you know, that sort of stuff. And I want to see, you know, Jared Kelnick, Kelnick, Kelnick. Jared Kelnick uh, murdered a ball right, and I made a I made a thing of it. I wish I had audio on it, but the announcer was was interviewing Scott Cervais, and he was like, you know, given the stuff that happened with your executive, and you know the way players are talking about um, you know minor league players and bringing them up, what is what is your philosophy about bringing players up, um, you know, out of the minor leagues? And Scott Cervais says, the players will let you know when they're ready. And then when he finishes saying that, Kelnick hits an opposite field bomb. <laughs> Just absolute tater. <laughs> and and surveys like realizes the irony of what has just happened. And he can't help himself but flip into front office mode. He goes, Well, you know, the wind's blowing out a little bit today, but that was a really good hit from <laughs> Oh God. He's gonna oh. have to make the team. Or if he if he's good enough, if he keeps this up, he's going to have to make the team where people are really going to cry. Well, you know, now I think that now the, the front office is disseminating information. I saw a thing. Oh, Taylor Trammell might be playing his way into the left field uh, situation in Seattle. Oh, really? 
Really? Not some other guy. Weird. So so yeah. you can you can have Taylor Trammell as your opening day left fielder, and then but after the a few weeks, send really him expensive. down, yeah. and then then bring up the other guy. Hmm. Yeah, man, weird. Two yeah. guys. <laughs> Yeah, Why don't you just that's... trade Mechanicer already? Damn it! <laughs> but yeah. he's not the only guy. I want to see. I want to see. I want to. Yeah, I want to see even Taylor Trammell. I want to see these guys. Haseon Kim. I want to see. You know. I want to see all the guys who debut. I want to see guys we haven't seen before, and particularly the minor leagues. I want to see how the layoff has has affected them. I want to see Whitley. I want to see all those guys. Yeah, there's. I, I do wish it was more widely available right now to watch these spring games and kind of flip around on TV to see them. Uh, what, what's, what's unfortunate to me guys, I guess, is because of the way the access is, is you're only, a lot of those feel good stories we usually get out of spring are now by the wayside. If they're not available on zoom, we're not getting it. The guy who's like lifelong dream, which is just being big league camp. He's not doing a zoom with the media. No one's requesting him. So as like, you know, knows like the best part of spring training is going to a camp like kind of like sidling up to like the guys just who don't have anybody them. by them. Yeah. Just yeah. talking to people and, and writing those feel good stories about the guy who overcame all the odds. Who's not going to make the team, uh, you know, these great backstories of guys who are nobodies and that gets lost because they're not the stars. They're not the, the ones that fans normally care about. You have to make them care. And just the way it's set up this year, you just can't do that. Um, you have to go to camp and, and basically say, here's who I want to talk to rather than organically, have the hitting coach be like, hey, did you see this guy? What a story. And then you follow up, right? So I think that's that's an unfortunate piece. Yeah, another thing that I think spring is great for are these like weird thought pieces. It like, describes most of my writing. Uh, but, like, <laughs> you know, like, why, you know, why don't we have good pitchers throw BP? You know, or like, or uh, why do you do this? Or why do you do that? Like, uh, you know, you can have these like, stupid conversations with players and write weird pieces. Um, but you like ask that on a zoom, like, you know, am I going to really ask the pitching coach on a zoom in front of everybody else? Why don't you guys have someone better throwing BP than you? Right. And then, and like, what's he going to say in front of everybody? I got, I hate the zooms, man. I hate the zoom so bad. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> and like, you can't, Ask like in spring training some days, like I'd have some days I'd be totally useless, but some days I'd have like a hot day. I'd get like five, six, seven guys. And you're like, oh man, this is great on one thing. And you could bang out a story. Yeah. Uh, that's literally impossible right now. You ask somebody something is on Twitter immediately if their answer is half decent, uh, you know, because the rest of the group is listening. And then also mm-hmm. you're not getting that volume of guys. So and you can't even really yeah. do like. You know, follow ups or, you know, like, you know, right. the fluff question first to get them in the good mood. And then, you know, kind of like, you know, ki- you know, you know, hide your punch till the end, you know, sort of deal, you know, like you can't do you, the, the art of interviewing is just, ah, uh, well, we're complaining about our craft. Let's not, let's not do that. Nobody else cares. They want our jobs. <laughs> yeah. It's not even a complaint. It's that I enjoy bringing those stories to people. Right. And those right, stories right. are, I feel bad for the guy who like will never be in a big league spring training camp again. This was his yeah, one you're chance my guinea to get a pig. story. I, I'm not planning on going until I, I hear about what your, your experience is like the next week. <laughs> if it's just bad hotels, which I can see already. <laughs> that doesn't I feel look attacked. Yeah. That, that, that looks that looks that looks fine. Excuse me, I can see the beach from my window, you know. Okay. Okay, that's better than what I would do in Phoenix already. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you rough it uh, pretty bad. I can see the strip mall from my from my hotel. <laughs> if I look out this window, I can see another strip mall. Yeah, right. that's Phoenix. like ninety eight percent of Phoenix. So it's just sorry, Phoenix. It I love there. it. I love it. There's so much baseball. Don't don't get mad at me. No, there's a ton of beautiful views in Phoenix, but there are just you know ten times as many less beautiful views. Strip malls. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of strip malls. Just a checkerboard <laughs> of strip malls. Uh, one other story that surprised me when I saw this roll by this week: Aaron Boone is recovering from surgery to receive a pacemaker. As I mentioned earlier, he's only 47 years old. That's what surprised me by it. I mean, that's not that much older than me. Uh, by all accounts, he was tweeting earlier today. It seems to be making a full recovery and will be back relatively soon. But uh, this came out of relative nowhere, didn't it? Well, I don't think the baseball lifestyle is good for you. True. <laughs> breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, breaking news. <laughs> I mean, I also, I don't know. I mean, the pacemakers, it's like sometimes it's just a congenital kind of you were headed there anyway. It's uh, it's there to, you know, because you have like uh, bad rhythms or whatever. Or I'm not a doctor, obviously. <laughs> Dr. Nick says you've got the bad rhythms. <laughs> hey, everybody. Like every six months, you admit you're not a doctor because <laughs> we all we're all suspect like we're very suspicious of you being a doctor on the side, but you not telling us. <laughs> no, it's more it's more like the uh, the 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 disclaimers you got to do. <laughs> well, you know, said I should get a space maker, so <laughs> gonna sue him now. <laughs> no, it is it is scary with Aaron Boone. I do wish him well. We've gone uh, off the rails. Yeah, we really have. I do wish him well. It's scary. Uh, Davey Martinez with the Nats in 2019 had a heart issue down the stretch. And basically they told him, like, you can't get stressed. And I think that's really like telling these guys you can't can't breathe air. Because right. the whole nature of their life is stress. Um, so, yeah, it's a... There's a thing in Major League where they, they make the guy, they, they, they don't let him watch the games, the manager. The yeah. Major League 2. Uh, it's one of them, but yeah, it's the same kind of, I mean, what's he going to do? So I am glad it seems like the pacemaker seems like they caught stuff early. Now they're monitoring. I'm sure he's going to have to make some adjustments maybe, but, uh, really, really scary 47. Yeah, definitely. One of those things that I, I was not expecting to see, but you're right. The lifestyle of being a manager after a long career as a player and uh, being a second or third generation player where you've been around the game your whole life, you've probably eaten a lot of hot dogs if you are a third generation baseball player and as i'm told uh, i'm not a nutritionist not a not a phd in nutrition hot dogs i think are pretty bad for your heart and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply if you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we had a couple questions come in. Uh, one's more of a solution to baseball's be more interesting problem that we talk about, and one is a question about the Nats bullpen. Let's knock out the Nats bullpen question real quick. Do you envision the Nats adding a left-handed reliever before the season begins? Other than Brad Hand, they don't seem to have a lot of other options from that side. Would be interested to hear your thoughts. I don't think they need to add another lefty for Brad Hand to close, if that's what this question is driving at. I think they brought Hand in for some stability. But do you guys see this pen being more of like 75-25, where Hand gets the bulk of the save chances, and then someone else comes in and gets the rest? That's how I see it. And I think... You're right. I don't think they go and get a lefty because they only have Brad Hand. This was a bullpen that only had Sean Doolittle for a while. Uh, the Astros are another team that, you know, you were starting to see kind of that shift where you don't need like X amount of lefties, right? It seems like now that you just want people that are going to get guys out, they're going to, you know, where you're not because of the, the minimum rule with the batters, you're getting, you're moving away from that specialist role a little bit. And so I don't think they're going to go out and get another lefty. I think you're right. It's probably hand closing most days. If they need it, they have guys who have closed. They've got Daniel Hudson. They've got Will Harris. They've got other guys that they can use. Tanner Rainey is kind of seen as their future closer. Um, so I think the bullpen, if they stay healthy and actually uh, perform, like Harris and Hudson were really uh, bad to start the season, make of that what you will, because if it was 60-game season – um, I think the bullpen's going to be a strength, and I would say like don't just throw a lefty in there to throw a lefty in there. You'd rather a good righty than just a bad lefty, right? As the old as the old saying goes, or at least the saying in baseball goes. It's even more true now with the three three batter rule or whatever. I think because you gotta have you gotta be able you can't just we just don't have those one loogies anymore. That's my favorite term too. I love saying loogie. Pour one um, out for the loogies. Yeah, pour one out for the loogies. But uh, if you do that, then I saw a very, I tried to look at this. It wasn't enough to write about, but I saw this very slight trend towards relievers throwing more pitches too. And I think that's because we're seeing, um, you know, we haven't expanded in a while. We're seeing some of the guys who might start in the past are in the bullpen now. And uh, if you talk to relievers, they talk about it's just better for me to have more pitches. You know, why did Adam Adovito try to develop a cutter when he was perfectly had one of the craziest, nastiest sinker slider combos in baseball? Well, because he, you know, the batters were starting to sit on one or the other and he needed to have a third thing, a wrinkle, a pitch he could throw in the strike zone, you know. Um, so I, I feel like. Um, if pitchers are just going, if relievers are going to add more pitches and get more people out, that's fine. I do think um, it might mean, and this is sort of a fantasy uh, angle, it might mean that somebody other than hand is going to get saves. Because I think there's going to be times when they're like, oh, well, the two big masher lefties are up in the eighth. And I think that we want to use hand here um, and finish it out with Hudson or finish it out with Harris and um, or Randy. I think that having those three righties means that some days hand is going to pitch in the eighth. 
think you guys nailed it. I think that's the good state of the state of the Nats bullpen at this point. Uh, let's get to this email from Kyle real quick. He gave us a lot of reasons why he thinks this would work, but he sent us a proposal to shorten the distance between bases to 85 feet, which does a lot of different things, right? It increases the chances of, of successfully stealing bases, which makes steals a bigger part of the game. It's going to increase the number of hits. Balls in play are going to be rewarded a little bit more, right? There's a lot of things that would end up happening as a result of a change like that. And it passes the doesn't cost any money test. Like all the things we think about that would make baseball better would probably hurt the owners, right? It would cost them money to do things that we want them to do. This is just a tweak that it doesn't mess with the pitcher at all, too, right? We always talk about maybe lowering the mound. and There's no injury component, right? Like, I yeah, can't, this, this can't think what the injury is. Maybe you made the ba- bases softer, too. If you made the bases, whatever it is, that, you know, made the bases softer, made them just plates or whatever, whatever, like, did something to, to reduce injury. You could even reduce injury if you added that part. But just just changing the length, I don't think, has an, has an injury component to it. I'm actually surprised they didn't adopt the softball, the the... the you know, adult softball put a second first base in, like just to avoid collisions around the bag and stuff. I'm surprised yeah. Major League Baseball didn't just do that years ago. And I mean, obviously, you, you could round first base faster that way. Instead of what they did, which is move the base, the yeah. base is in fair territory right now, right? Or half and half or something. You know, it used yeah, to be half, half and half, and then they moved it in fair. So now, uh, like a, a right handed hitter has to like run to the run yeah. to that like box and then get back in fair territory anyway so it's important we're on a video yeah. so i can make a funny angled yeah, gesture with like my this, hand that doesn't yeah. make any sense because <laughs> the planes are all wrong but can you think of anything that players wouldn't like about this brit i mean it seems like kind of a, a win-win solution to to increase offense a bit i guess the pitchers wouldn't like it <laughs> well yeah like pitchers the pitchers don't want anything that's going to allow more runs to score but hey, this this seems like a good thing it's less of a question and more of a proposed change, but yeah, I don't, I'd have to look at it and really think about it. I don't think it has any like huge drawbacks from the jump. I mean, people always hate change, right? But to me, I'm kind of, I'm kind of for it. I read it and I was like, cool. It's kind of seems like a good idea. Yeah, very right. well, <laughs> very well thought out, very well researched uh, email that Kyle sent us. So we're on board, Kyle. Pass it on to the powers that be. Uh, you know, maybe we'll try to bring it up in in passing to people that could hate it and find out why they would hate it, but nothing stands out to us as far as a reason why Major League Baseball couldn't put the bases a little bit closer. He said it's always been 90. Right, like why? I don't even know why. I I got an old Ken Burns baseball book here. Maybe it tells me in there why the bases are 90. I don't think it's always been 90. And I've now heard from two sources that it is not actually 90 in every park. What? They got that inconsistent from park to park? I, I was sitting on this for a long time thinking, oh, I, this is going to be a great Eno expose. I'm going to write this. I'm going to figure it out. And then I realized there's no way, A, in COVID times, and B, just in regular times, that anybody on that grounds crew is going to let me anywhere near the bag once the bag, you know, the bag's not in and the home plate's not in until game time. And they're not going to let me walk on the field and be like, uh, excuse me, can I just measure this real quick? <laughs> Good point. Good point indeed. <laughs> we have to run. We got to go. But if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, $3.99 a month to get you in the door, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. You can read the great piece that Britt had earlier this week with Katie Strang, a follow-up on what 
Cleveland knew about the Mickey Calloway situation. Tons of good stuff there. Britt also has a great story about Mo Gabba that got some uh, some hardware. So that's that's great. Congrats on Thanks, that, Britt. Guys. Keep killing it. On Twitter, she's at Britt underscore Giroli. He is at Eno Saris. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.